0: Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. I am your host, Krista Horton, here with my co-host, Zach, and we have a special guest on with us today. His name is Art Olivas. Art, we are so excited to have you on the show with us today. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I'm actually uh...
2: Kind of
0: nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so so am I. I usually get a little sweaty with every episode.
2: We were just going <laughs> to turn the bedroom fan on because we were getting sweaty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but we are just grateful that you're here with us, and we're excited to get everyone introduced to you. Um, but first, this um, we're going to be starting a new book today. We're going to be studying for you listeners out there. We're going to be starting in Second Nephi, studying chapters one through five. Um, and this is episode six. So we're just excited to be here and glad to have another voice with us today. So um, first, I just want maybe Art, maybe you can just introduce yourself a little and give a little background to who you are. And um, we'll kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the uh, the way that we got to know each other is you ran into my podcast, uh, Estudio en Quince. Estudio en Quince is a Spanish speaking podcast uh, that follows similar to the scripture study project the come follow me curriculum um one day we were we were discussing around the dinner table my wife and my sister-in-law all the fun things that we were learning from all these great come follow me podcasts um and my mother-in-law was overhearing and she was just like there's got to be something in spanish and and looking and looking and looking we couldn't find uh, a spanish-speaking podcast for come follow me so we decided well why don't we start one? <laughs> and so that's kind of how that came to pass. Um, yeah, so we are uh, really excited to to be able to to,
2: to share that with you guys. So. so did your mother-in-law listen to your podcast then, I'm assuming?
1: She is my biggest fan. She <laughs> I feel I, I feel like she single-handedly got me all of my followers. because <laughs> so, she shares the I podcast religiously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think what you're doing is awesome and yeah, that we we ran into what you were doing and just thought, "Oh, how cool is it?" And so I thought it would just be a fun Connection to have you on here, and um, you know, if there's any of our listeners that would benefit from um, a Spanish-speaking resource, I think yours I know would be one that
2: would. If, you're, if you know people that are in the same boat, they want to, they want to want more information or want more. Come follow me, study or more scripture study stuff, and it'd be a great thing yeah. to pass along.
0: Or if your kids are learning Spanish, yeah. I should start listening. I'm, I'm going to do there that. I'm going to go. practice todos, that way.
1: Todos bienvenidos. So. Everybody's <laughs> welcome. Wonderful.
0: I love it. Well, we will put links to um, your podcast, to your Instagram. All of that you can find in our show notes. So make sure to um, look that up if, that. if you're interested. I'll put that all in our show notes for the end. Thank
1: you, guys.
2: Okay. Well, um, here's where we would like to go. Um, we're starting a new book, finishing the story in 1 Nephi, this great journey that the family takes, and they finally arrive in chapter 18 at the promised land, and then those wonderful Isaiah chapters that we have in. And then 2 Nephi starts, and this time through, as I read it, um, I noticed something that I I don't think I'd paid much attention to before. Um, The Come Follow Me manual titles this study, We Lived After the Manner of Happiness, which is that great quote, I think, from chapter 4 or 5. Um, and I love it, but it's kind of an ironic title because in these chapters, um, Lehi gives his, of course, final blessings to his children, to Laman and Lemuel in chapter one, to Jacob in chapter two, to Joseph in chapter three. It's kind of interesting that there isn't a blessing to Nephi. There's one to Zoram, there's one to Sam, but Nephi doesn't record his own blessing We assume that he got one. But, um, but right after he records uh, gives those blessings, uh, in chapter four, he passes away, uh, verse 11, he passes away. Um, and then right after that, uh, turmoil in the family heats up again. Um, verse 12 in chapter four came to pass after my father, Lehi had spoken unto his household, according to the feelings of his heart and the spirit of the Lord, which was in him, he waxed old and it came to pass. that He died and was buried. And it came to pass that not many days after his death, Laman and Lemuel and the sons of Ishmael were angry with me because of the admonitions of the Lord. And then you jump over to chapter five and that anger spreads uh, and the families divide. And Nephi takes his followers and they leave uh, the initial landing spot in the promised land. And that's it. There's no more story from Nephi uh, there's a little bit about you know them wanting to make him king and making swords after the sword of Laban and setting up a civilization, but then he puts in sermons from his brother Jacob. Uh, then he puts in, of course, all of the Isaiah chapters, and then the end of the book is just all of his sermons. And he never revisits the story. Now, of course, that could be just because this is Nephi writing on the small plates and it's meant to uh, be a place for preaching and sermonizing. But this time, as I read it, I wondered. Is this, in part at least, um, Nephi trying to grapple with his own sorrow, of course, at his father's death, but maybe feelings of sorrow or or guilt or worry or stress at the family separation? And does he put these sermons in here because these are the ones that lift him up? Um, He says this in chapter four. He gives this wonderful psalm, starting in verse 15 where he a little bit bemoans his feelings. his uh, Verse 19, my heart groaneth because of my sins. But then he says, Nevertheless, I know in whom I have been entrusted. I have trusted. My God hath been my support, and hath led me in mine afflictions in the wilderness, and hath preserved me upon the waters of the great deep. He has filled me with his love, even under the consuming of my flesh. And then this phrase, verse 33, O Lord, wilt thou encircle me around in the robe of thy righteousness? That word encircle stood out to me because at the very beginning of Second Nephi in chapter 1, verse 15, Lehi says the same thing. This is verse 15. Behold, the Lord hath redeemed my soul from hell. I have beheld his glory and am encircled about eternally in the arms of his love. I love the idea in these chapters that Nephi, is going through this life-changing, turmoil-bringing, soul-stretching experience, and yet he's able to feel encircled by love and by uh, God's righteousness and encouragement. So what we wanted to study with art here is what teachings, what do we learn about the, the Lord, what do we learn from the Lord, that even when we might feel the way that Nephi feels, if we feel stressed or worried or down, what teachings or truths do we learn from these that might lift us up, that might help us to feel encircled by God's love and uh and help us feel like he's there for us.
1: I love that idea, Zach. I I it reminds me of a quote that Elder Rasband gave uh at a student uh, at a seminary and institute uh, evening with the general authority. He he says, um, it's important to have a protection scripture, or one one that we can call on uh, and keep in mind when uh, there, you know, when we're in perilous times, perilous situations, and need strength to step away. Um, what if these are these sermons or these blessings from Lehi are, are his like protection scripture? That's awesome.
0: The way that Nephi kind of treasures those last words from his father, you can almost picture him just kind of relishing in. And remembering as you were explaining that, Zach, I was thinking of that as like, maybe these words are, are so dear to him that that's why he records them. Mm-hmm. That he puts them here as that reminder for him to, to feel that. Yeah, I remember what his, those last few moments he had with his dad, as you were saying, he might be having regret. He might be having worry that, oh no, now the family, even though we've had all these struggles, we stayed together with my dad and now they're not. And so that responsibility and weight that he might be feeling.
2: So that's our question. Um, And of course, like we do, we'll we'll provide a couple of answers that that we've found. Um, But your study is going to be the most powerful one that gives you the answers. If you're feeling like Nephi and if you study these chapters, there are some truths in there that could have the power to lift you closer to the Lord and help you feel encircled about with his love. So so there's our question. And uh, Art, we'll turn it over to you. Well, can you... Will it be okay if I uh,
1: if I share a personal story? Yeah, totally. Um, it kind of reminds me, uh, we kind of have a story in our family. Um, my grandmother passed away uh, a few years back. And uh, we're, there's a story that, that goes around our family that kind of gives us hope, uh, strengthens our faith. Um, she passed away around the time. Uh, no, actually, she passed away exactly when President Monson was being um, sustained as the new. As a new prophet, and um, and she passed away from from a tumor, a brain tumor that she had. And the weeks leading up to General Conference, uh, she she was slowly but surely starting to starting to deteriorate uh, deteriorate mentally, and uh, to the point where where she wouldn't really recognize her own family members. There were times where she would see her grandsons and think that they were her her the younger versions of her own son himself. It, it was a it was a really hard time it was a really tough time. It was a really sad time um, but one thing that she always remembered was that that weekend was general conference, and that that weekend she needed to sustain President monson as the new prophet she people would come and visit her and um, she would not she would not recognize them or or she would just be she would she would just be coherent, but she would always remember. That it was general conference and that she needed to sustain President Monson. And uh, the day of general conference, um, she told, on, when the second session came on, um, she told my grandfather, okay, you need to turn on the TV. I need to sustain President Monson. And uh, she was very weak at that point. Um, he turned it on, you know, he turned on the TV, the solemn assembly started. And, um, and Probably the she must mustering all her strength, she sat straight up, and uh, and and sustained President Monson, sustained his counselors, sustained the members of the Twelve, and as the solemn assembly continued, um, she started to get weaker and weaker and weaker, and to the point where at right, you know shortly thereafter she needed to go into the hospital. Um, while she was in the hospital, you know her her mind had had gone completely; didn't recognize anybody, wasn't herself. Um, and so uh, one of the things that we hold on to, the story that we hold on to to my grandmother, is one of the last things she did was sustain President Monson as the prophet. Um, so whenever I have uh, my questions, whenever I have my, um, uh, whenever I need understanding, um, I like to, to go back to, okay, what do I know is true? Um, what examples of faith do I have in my life? And who has been a great example of faith? And I always go back to that story of my grandma who the last coherent thing she did in this life was um, sustain the prophet.
0: I love that thought of that legacy that your grandma left for you. Just like Nephi's treasuring these words from his father, um, that's that same real in-time experience that you had with your grandmother. That's so cool.
1: And I I read these uh, these sermons um, from Lehi. And I and I can't help but think that uh we get into chapter four and and Lehi starts off being a little distraught. Um I can't help but think that he looks back at these at these scriptures, he looks back at these stories, at these talks, um as a as a fond memory, uh, but also as as a form of strength and and uh, building his faith. That's really good.
2: So as you studied this week then, are what what are the things um that stood out to you as far as things to hold on to things to to lift you up things that are there when maybe things get hard for us
1: i think um
2: i mean these are these are
1: chapters that that are are very popular uh, in the church i mean mm-hmm. especially chapter 2 uh chapter 2 we get you know the great verses of adam you know um, men are that they might i don't feel that men might be and men are that they might have joy um Just things that we that we like to quote just off the top of our head in the church. Um, And one of the things that really stood out to me this time as I was as I was studying is in chapter two, verse 14, the very last, um, the very last line. Um, I like to call this an Elder Bednar line because he Mm -hmm. he quotes it so much all the time. And he talks about how um, God hath created all things, both the heavens and the earth and all things that in them are both things to act and things to be acted upon. And the reason that kind of stuck out to me is because about six months ago, in the uh, in the Spanish-speaking sector, I guess you could say, of the church, uh, there was a, a, a video, a video that was going around Facebook of Elder Bednar speaking to um, a group of missionaries in the South America South mission, or the South America South area. And in that, he talks about how In the church, we seem to have uh, this tradition, uh, this really bad tradition um, of when a teacher gets up, um, they'll point to somebody in the class and say, "Uh, tell me the three things that we covenant to do uh, at baptism. Uh, And we'll tell that person to stand up and and recite it in the class, put them on the spot essentially. And that person in that moment um, absolutely forgets everything that they were ever taught, you know, even their own name. He says, uh-huh. and and he says that that um, he teaches that the reason for that is because in that moment uh, we are treating somebody else as an object, as something to be acted upon, and not not a child of God. In fact, in his uh, in that um, in that fireside, he said, through the atonement of Jesus Christ, we are blessed with moral agency, and agency is the capacity to act and not simply to be acted upon. That that differentiates man and women, sons and daughters of God, from all of God's other creations. So it kind of makes it sound like the reason, the thing that makes us human is that agency, the ability to act. Um, and then he goes on to say, um, moral agency and the capacity to act. He goes on to say, agency is more, is more than choosing. It is the capacity to act as agents. Um, and I thought it so revealing because chapter two he's talking to um, he's talking to his son Jacob, and the very first thing in verse one he says is and behold, in thy childhood thou hast suffered affliction and much sorrow because of the rudeness of thy brother, um, and it just got me thinking, are there people in our lives that we kind of treat them as objects rather than as agents? Mm. We we put we act upon them uh, the way that we raise our kids. Are we acting upon them? Or are we allowing them to act for themselves? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, well, I love that too, because chapter two is so well-known for its, for its treatment of the, talk, the doctrine, the topic of agency. Um, but it almost, it, the way that you're phrasing it, I love it because it's putting Jacob at this crux of, you have these examples of the rudeness of your brothers, but on the other side, um, I've always loved verse three. I know that thou art redeemed because of the righteousness of thy redeemer. Um, So you have on one side, your brothers, you have on the other side, this great God and this great redeemer who saved you and Jacob, you are a thing to act and you will now at this crucial point in your life, my passing and family dividing, you now have this need and this this uh, important step to be able to act and to choose which direction you're going to follow, follow. Which, of course, is you know the famous verse in verse 27 that we're free to choose the great mediator or to choose captivity and death. And so I love the way that you're phrasing this.
1: Yeah, yeah. On a similar note, um, when we go back to chapter one, um, it, I just found it so. As I was reading it this time around, I just thought it was so interesting that uh, I think you mentioned something this at the start of the show, Zach. That he that Lehi blesses Zoram, and we don't hear very much from Zoram after the whole plate incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear about him one more time, I think, in chapter sixteen of First Nephi, where he uh, marries the oldest son of Ishmael, and then we hear Zoram again. It almost seems like this time I was reading it and I was like, oh, this is like the Kevin McAllister of uh, of the people of the scriptures, because I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about him, <laughs> uh, but. It's. I thought it was interesting that he says in verse 30 of chapter one, uh, going along to with what we were talking about, that uh, I know that thou art a true friend unto my son Nephi, forever. Um, and the thought that kind of came to me was like, who do I have in my life that's like a really good friend? Like, um, I remember, I remember when I was in college, I, um, I had, I had probably about a group of. Four really good friends true friends who i would go to whenever i had uh, any kind of uh, difficulty in my life any kind of you know girl problems now we all have kids and are married and now we all i go to them with when we have we go to each other when we have kid problems but um uh but i i i thought about that and then um the thought came to me comparing that to to unfortunately joseph smith didn't have didn't have that same experience I mean in Joseph Smith history he said that he was persecuted um, in Joseph Smith history he said that he was persecuted by those who should have been his friend and should have treated him kindly and so the thought that came to my mind was okay who are my true friends and then are there people in my life that I should treat kindly that I should be their friend am I is there anybody in my life that maybe I need to self-evaluate the way that I'm treating them? Um, and it's funny because uh, we 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 think about friends and, and, and friendships a lot with with the youth, and we'll talk about it with the youth, you know, having great friends. But uh, but I actually think that it's something that's just as important for adults. As I've uh, I mean I'm I'm no uh, I, I've got no tenured year in this life, but I uh, I think that, that as I'm learning the importance of friends as an adult. Um, can be just as important um, as the types of friends that I have uh, that I had when I was a youth,
0: yeah, I totally agree, and I love the thought of that being a way that um, Lehi is leaving something for his his family, right? Like we talk about that a lot, that your prayers can be answered through other people or you know, and friends can be an a really important way to way to feel God's love when they call you up or when a random text message comes through or um when a service is given. So, I think that thought's really great. Well,
2: I I this is a small verse but in chapter 3 just one of the phrases that stood out to me connected to the what the Lord does. Um of course, this is in that chapter 3 prophecy about the future Joseph who will uncover the plates and be this great seer. Um But uh, the Lord promises that he will, I love the phrase, preserve thy seed forever. Um, And as I was reading these chapters, I realized that phrase shows up a lot. The Lord's very interested in preserving family, and maybe we can add to it preserving friendships. That Maybe one of the things that makes him him is that he loves to preserve our families to keep us together and to me, as I was thinking of what Nephi must be going through in these chapters or what Zoram is going through or what the family is going through, I love this truth that not only can we be good friends to each other um, and uh, be true friends as Zoram was, but also knowing that that's what God wants, that he desires that we live in harmony with each other um, and that we develop these friendships and these bonds with family and people that can strengthen us um, in in when things get difficult when times get hard.
1: Yeah, it kind of in chapter five we we learn about how the the people that follow laymen uh, receive the curse of being separated from the Lord, and that this is the opposite. Like you said, it's 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 all through the scriptures. The opposite is being preserved, They seed being preserved in the Lord. Um, I never saw that until you just said that right now. That was that was great.
2: Well, I'd never viewed that chapter five thing the the flip side of that until you mentioned it too oh. following
1: <laughs> look at that... us learning together <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. how it's supposed to be right right <laughs> I think that's something that um, that I kept thinking about about this preserving principle of that he does that for us I think if we look at the history the thing I kept thinking of as I was reading first Nephi one and all throughout and seeing this in Lehi leaving his last words for his people is just that like Lehi doesn't give up on his family, like he continues to want to give them love and encircle them about with his love, and he does that in these chapters through his his advice and his his words to them. Um, and I just thought, you know, that's the way that that God encircles us in His love is He never gives up on us. I mean, we know the story; we have been reading the story of their up and down relationship, and whether that's a friendship or family or maybe our relationship with God, Um, we know what that feels like to have a tumultuous relationship with people, but um, he doesn't give up on us. Like this is exactly what Lehi is doing to his family, I think is exactly how God is to us. Um, And then in, it was in, I think first it was in chapter four that I just couldn't help but notice the kind of the last things. It's when he gathers everyone together and he says, I would that you should give ear to my words. So this is kind of just the last things I picked up from him was like please listen to me and listen to what I said. And he reminds them again to keep the commandments in verse verse 4. And then in chap in verse 7 he says wherefore because of my blessing the Lord God will not suffer that ye shall perish. Wherefore he will be merciful unto you and unto your seed forever. Um and isn't that what what God wants us to what wants us to feel too is that he is going to continually try and give us his love he wants to encircle us with his love and he wants to show us his mercy and he does that through other people even when it's a tumultuous relationship or when it's not perfect
1: i remember in chapter one uh when it was when when nephi talks about the tender mercies and i remember thinking okay this year what i'm going to do is i'm going to look for the tender mercies uh different tender mercies throughout the scriptures um and it, it's really easy to find them when it's, when it says he will be merciful. So, uh, it was, it was interesting, uh, here in chapter four, the scripture that you, that you shared, he will be merciful unto you and unto your seed forever. Um, it was, it's interesting that in the beginning of chapter, uh, of, of second Nephi, he, he talks about the mercies, you know, uh, of, you know, that they made it through the waters, that how merciful, um, was the Lord to the mercy of God in sparing their lives that that they were not swallowed up in the sea. Or um, he says, he rehearsed unto them in verse one, how great things the Lord had done for them in bringing them out of the land of Jerusalem. Um, Essentially saying, wow, aren't we just the luckiest people that we were not in Jerusalem when all that stuff went down? Or aren't we just the luckiest people that we built a boat, having never built a boat before, and we were able to make it across the water? Like looking at those kind of tender mercies, I thought that was so, so interesting. And it, it, my son had a, had the fever, um, yesterday. Um, and, and a lot of times, uh, it, it was, it was, it, nothing was, was alleviating the fever. He kept, he kept getting, his temperature kept rising and rising. So we called the doctor. The doctor said, um, no more monkeys jumping on the bed. No, I'm just kidding. He said, <laughs> they called the doctor, and the doctor was like, uh, give him some, some Motrin to, to help with the fever. Um, we gave him Motrin. I called my father-in-law. He came over. We gave him a blessing. Um, 20 minutes later, he had no fever at all. And my very first thought was, wow, thank heaven for Motrin. Yeah. And, and uh, we, we hear a lot, you know, Spencer W. Kimball says that faith precedes a miracle. Uh, President Monson said it in 2013 in General Conference. Um, but I think that sometimes we forget that we need faith to also complete the miracle on the other end of the miracle. Um, I had to catch myself. Uh, and, and, and I had to remember, you know, it wasn't the motion. You know, you remember you gave him a blessing? That thought came in my head. Like, remember you gave him a blessing? And and a lot of times I think uh, Lehi, looking back at this, he, he didn't think he didn't think, oh, man, aren't we lucky that we that we could read the political climate of Jerusalem and leave just in time? Or, or aren't we lucky that we use redwood instead of birch wood for, our, you know, for our boats or or anything? No, he, he said how merciful the Lord has been to help us get out of Jerusalem, to help us cross these many waters. Um, and I think sometimes we need we need to remember the faith on the other end of the miracle. as well. It's
2: really, really good. Well, I love, I love that truth. I love all these truths, especially given the frame of looking for truths that help us when we do feel this kind of strain and stress that Nephi's going through. The fact that God wants us to be in families, he wants to preserve our seed, that he wants to bless us, that being with him means being preserved, whereas leaving him might mean leaving, being separated. Um, I love the idea that faith can proceed and complete a miracle, and um, to put that final capstone verse on it, the wonderful one in verse 27, that they lived after the manner of happiness. All these things we've talked about, this is all going on in the midst of all of these trials and and sadnesses. Um, As I was reading that verse, I thought, isn't it wonderful that sorrow, which is a godly attribute, God fills sorrow, and happiness, which is of course also a godly attribute, are not mutually exclusive. We can live after the manner of happiness, be faithful, strengthen relationships with friends and family, even when we're going through difficulties or trials in the very family we're trying to strengthen or when we're feeling strain or stress in a relationship with God, that we can live after the manner of happiness and find that joy. So, um, Art, thank you so much for studying with us. This has been wonderful. Well, thank you
1: guys for having me. It's been great.
2: Um, like Krista said at the beginning, we will uh, put links to uh, Art's podcast and to his website in our show notes. Um, so make sure you go check that out and uh, spread the word if you know anyone else. And uh, thank you so much, Art, again, and have a wonderful week, everyone else out there. Feliz estudios.